Welcome to the Speak Like a Leader podcast with John Bates. Welcome to the show. Today I've got uh, someone that I respect quite a bit and have known for a number of years and someone that I think you're going to really enjoy. His name is Mike Holvey. And Mike is an executive at a small empire in the central United States, a uh, uh, media empire. And uh, so uh, I, you know, Mike has brought me in to speak for the radio advertising uh, bureau. Bureau, yes, good. I was going to say that, um, <laughs> but I wasn't sure. For the RAB, that's what we call it. And um, and and uh, we've just been friends for a number of years and done some work together. And uh, so, you know, the this this media empire is called uh, Newhoff Media, and it's a bunch of radio stations plus other things in the Midwest. And one of the things that I think is really great about talking with Mike is his perspective from you know the central united states and on the ground working with businesses on main street and small business owners in small towns across america and i think it really i think mike you bring a really great perspective with that and i'm super happy to have you welcome to the show well thanks john um for those that are in, enjoying our discussion today john was actually a christmas present for me um, my that's right. Partner, that's right. You were a Christmas present. Um, <laughs> that's right. John, um, I jumped out of a cake and, uh, <laughs> and look, he, he was wearing a sash. It was quite something. <laughs> um, the backstory, the, the quick backstory on John is a uh, John and I's relationship is truly, he was a Christmas present. My business partner, Beth Newhoff, uh, who is just an unbelievable individual, um, knew that one of my goals, I mean, some people play golf, some people fish, you know, some people vacation well, I don't do any of those things well. Uh, but one thing that I really enjoy is connecting with audiences and telling stories. And it's just something that I, I have enjoyed. It's been a part of who I have, I am for many years, but I, I have, I had no formal training until I met John. And so um, Beth knew that one of my aspirations in life was to prepare to deliver a TED talk, uh, that that's and it remains it remains a goal, uh, and we work towards that. Um, we do a lot of public speaking, and thanks to John, I I hope I'm more effective for my audiences than what I once was, but I still thoroughly enjoy it, and I have shared John's um, mentoring with a lot of other people, so I think that's paying it forward. So John, you should be happy about that. Uh, I am very grateful. Yeah, no, yeah. you really have. Um, including our team. Uh, yeah. in so John, John was a gift because Beth gave me a limited engagement with John as my coach. And that was like five years ago or longer. And our engagement continues. So yeah, it turned into a lifelong friendship, which is, it is. which is, and awesome. I, and I, you know, and you're, you're remarkable and your ability to connect with people um, and it, your ability for your mess to connect with others has been, you know, terrific. So awesome. That, I'm uh, I'm appreciative. So that's how I got to know John. And in our and as John said in the setup, our company is a family-run held, held company. Uh, they've been the, the Newhoffs have been proudly in broadcasting, radio, and television for more than sixty years. Um, and I have been with them for all of my adult life, actually. And uh, it's that's so it's, cool. 
it, 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 it's rare. It's rare in my industry to be sure. Uh, if I had planned it to be that way, it would have blown up. Uh, so it just evolved that way. Yeah. And uh, we have a terrific team of individuals who work every day for the betterment of their community, for the betterment of their radio listeners, for the betterment of their team. And those things are real important to us. And we are in Indiana and Illinois and then a number of digital assets as well between radio stations. We had been in the TV business as well. And that was very interesting uh, to be in uh, as well. So that's that's the background, as you can see, just from my stuff hanging on the walls. Uh, I am a bit of a sports fan, and most of my conversations uh, will, at some point, uh, involve a sports analogy. So that's well, that's, we'll be looking for that. I I I relate to that. I speak to that, and and uh, I think coaching and, and uh, this is about leadership too. And I think some of the greatest leaders in the world are, are coaches, um, and the greatest impact in the the pe- that have had on people's lives. And to me, it's not about that first connection in leadership. It's about the second and third. And what I mean by that, John is that you know you have a coach who impacts you and who uh, inspires you and then you go and do something else okay so now you are in you know you're energized if you will by that great leader and now you impact others who impact others who impact others yeah. um there was a, a quote about t- teachers and it is a great teacher affects eternity because you yeah. never know where their influence ends and that's yeah so true of teachers and leaders so yeah that's, that's where i begin well, I love it. Now, tell us how we spell Newhoff, just so I don't spell it wrong. Uh, it is the new way to spell. Actually, it's the old way to spell new, which is yeah. N-E-U-H-O-F-F. And our company is Newhoff Media. And if you want to connect with our company, which you then can connect with me on, it is N-E-U-H-O-F-F media.com. So Newhoff yeah. And I do believe the old way to pronounce it would be Neuhoff. But that's hey. probably true. <laughs> but in the new world it's yeah, new. there it's new off there you go right. well so so um i was i was gonna ask you something about what you just said uh tell us one of this so you love stories and you are a leader and you have and you are involved both on the ground level with your companies there with with people on main street businesses that are actually on the front lines of serving customers and you also participate at a national level with with your uh positions with our you know RAB and places like that so tell me a story about a leader that had an impact on you um you know there there are so many i i um you don't have to it's interesting, you know, I, I do a lot of reading uh, on leadership and, yeah. and I love stories. Um, and Jim Collins, the great uh, yeah. business author and Stanford um, professor, you know, talks about in, in the book, Good to Great. Yes. Love that about, book. Uh, by the way, if you haven't read that book and you're listening, Good to Great oh, is a great book. <laughs> it, it is a great book. And whether your company is large or small or your organization that you impact is large or small, there, there's relevancy to everyone in that book. And some of the core principles of Jim Collins, and I'm getting to your answer, but um, in the book, he talks about level five leadership. And a great leader does not have to be someone who can give the greatest rah-rah speech because we all know the greatest rah-rah speech only goes so far, right? Um, and but it's someone who has level five leadership, which means 
that you will be successful no matter what. No matter what. And so when I think back to great leaders who I've watched, no matter what, I'm going to give you an example of someone that you've never heard of. Um, And her name is Vicki Hogan. And Vicki Hogan was, and I say this in the past tense because we just lost her earlier this year to a heroic battle of cancer. And and that's where I'm going to go with this particular story. And that is she was a regional developer of economic, regional economic development director in the Midwest. And um, according to officials in the, at the state government level, by far, not even close, by far the most effective economic development director in the state of Illinois, Chicago wow. and everywhere else. Yeah. She represented a town of 30,000 and a county of, of 80,000. And she had such passion for that and did such a great job that um, she would never leave. Yeah. She was offered double, triple her salary, big, yeah. shiny buildings and lots of budget. And, and she felt like the battle that she was fighting for where she was from was so important that it was, in fact, her life's work. Yeah. And she contracted cancer. And until the very, very end, literally the last month of her life, did she allow the cancer to impact delivering for her community? Wow. And every day she would, and and this happens all over, John. I mean, there are these heroes everywhere. But just watching her lead and watching her dedication to the mission and why she was dedicated to that mission. This is a community that at at one point had 20% unemployment, that that lost its largest employers uh, 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 back in the 80s lost a, a, a General Motors plant that employed 2,000 people in the community wow. and just left. Well, what you also know when you lose a large employer, then the trickle down is terrible. And she made it her life, her life's work to put it all back. I chaired her organization uh, in the mid-2000s. And I'll never forget, it was the 25th anniversary of her leadership. And I was honoring her at a banquet. And she had told me something at one point. She said, in my career... I have, I, our team have generated 5,000 jobs for our community. I mean, we lost 2,000. Yeah. And then all the other little jobs, but she was so focused on what the mission was. She said, we've gained 5,000 jobs for a net gain of zero. Mm. Yeah. A net gain of zero. But she said, think about each family, think about each child, think about the value of each job yeah. in the household and in the community. And, and when her work was done, she left, literally, and she yeah. passed away. Uh, My last words to her were, I love you, and uh, I'm so proud of you. That's I, awesome. I tear up thinking about it. That is a great leader. Well, you know, and Mike, it reminds me of something that we've been talking about a little bit recently, and I'd love to hear the story of your pandemic haircut, because this really comes down in my book to someone who had a truly empowering context for herself and her life. And, you know, one thing I've noticed, so just let me, let me put this in and then I'd love to hear that, you know, your thoughts, Mike, and the pandemic haircut story. But I realize that when I say empowering context, a lot of times people go kind of, what are you talking about? And that's fine. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. 
what I'm talking about is the story of the time that President Kennedy was walking through NASA as they were in the middle of the space race, trying to put people, you know, get people up to the moon and everything. And he came across a guy who was pushing around a wastebasket on wheels and had a broom. And he said, you know, President Kennedy said to this guy, so what is it you do here, sir? And he said, why, President Kennedy, I put men on the moon. That is an empowering context. And I love that, you know, the, and the difference between the two people who are down on their knees laying, you know, mortar in a brick, mortar in a brick, mortar in a brick. One of them says, oh, I'm laying bricks. And the other one says, oh, why? I'm building a cathedral. I'm building a temple. You know, it's the empowering context. And I think that that is one of your most important jobs as a leader is to continuously remind yourself and your team of the empowering context for what you're up to. And I think that that woman had a tremendously empowering context, obviously. Um, <laughs> but I was just saying the power of that woman's context, right? It's, it's really, really inspiring. And that's what I'm going to say was a huge contributing factor to her being so wildly successful at what she did. Yeah. The, I, I don't know if you told the story, but. Um, no, no. I want to hear your pandemic haircut story. All right. So what is now known as the pandemic haircut story, based upon the lead in that John talked about with the gentleman in, in NASA with President Kennedy or the bricklayer, um, the two bricklayers and one's perspective and the other one's um, indifference, if you will, to what they were doing. So um I had a similar conversation with uh, my the woman that cuts my hair, who um, I was in the chair and was getting my pandemic haircut. And I said to her, what do you do? And she goes, I cut hair. I've been cutting hair for 30 years. And she keep, keep in mind, she's also my wife's best friend. Um, and she goes, I just cut hair. I saw I just cut hair. I said, no, you don't. You don't just cut hair. I said you change lives and she knows i have for your for the for the folks that are you know enjoying the podcast today uh you should know that my birthday is march 4th it's the only command in the calendar march 4th <laughs> my blood type is b positive so i tend to default by my very nature to the positive can do glass half full partly sunny days uh, that's my nature and I can't help it. That's just who I am. But it, you know, I was born that way, right? I'm in Mar I nothing to apologize for. <laughs> I do not apologize for it. And my blood type is B positive. So with that in mind, having the conversation in the chair with the pandemic haircut, and I told her, her name is Mary. I said, Mary, you change lives. And she goes, you know, you're being a little too B positive today. And I said, no, I'm not. Think about it. When, when someone comes to you, I don't care who it is. When you get your hair cut, you feel better. You look better. You feel better. You're more confident. What do people do when they leave your chair, right? If they're a teacher, they're impacting children. If they're a nurse, they're impacting the community. You know, if, if they run a small business, they're hiring people. It, it doesn't matter if they're, a, you know, a wife, a mother, a father. It, when people leave your chair, they leave a different person than they arrived with, and they are impacting people. And you are the common touch point. 
you are changing lives and you probably never knew it. For 30 years, you've been changing lives and you never knew it. And that was thanks to John Bates. And the story is so true. Are you building cathedrals? You're laying bricks. Yeah. Are you cleaning the floors? Are you sending people to the moon? And if people have that mentality about what they do each and every day, because it's true, the value you get from your work and knowing that you are helping others. Um, I, I tell, I do a lot of speaking in schools and I tell kids success is not the number on your W2 at the end of the year. Success is not a number, a paycheck. Yes. Financial being comfortable financially and making sure that things are taken care of is important. Absolutely is important, but it's not defined. That's not defined success. It is not. And so I thank you for sharing some of that perspective because the COVID haircut, the pandemic haircut speaks to that and it's relevant to everybody. Yeah. Well, and I have to imagine that she smiled bigger after you said that. And she's now brought it up two times since I've seen her. There you go. There you go. See that? Yep. That's it. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that's, that's wonderful. I, I love that. And, uh, and you know, that is leadership to go out on a limb and change someone's context for themselves and what they do. Cause you know, like she pushed back on it first. You had to keep going a little bit and you know, it's a little bit risky to, to say something like that to someone. And yet when you're willing to persist and really stand for their greatness, boy, they'll, they'll get it, you know, and they step into it and then they keep, <laughs> then they bring it up. Right. That's right. so great. I love it. I love it. So, so how about you, Mike? I, I know that you've got what I would call a pretty interesting origin story. And, uh, and I wonder, you know, there, one of the things about those stories is that there are, they always involve these little minor details that end up being the hinge that swings the big door, you know? And I think yours is a good example of that. So are, are you still, you, you, willing to tell us your origin story, where you came I will, from? Absolutely. I will. Yeah. Absolutely. So let me, uh, again, I'm in the radio business uh, as a radio broadcaster. And I, again, proud to have been since the age of 14. Um, as John indicated earlier, I, I serve in leadership positions in our industry because broadcasting has been so important to me. I feel just, I've got to give back. So uh, I, I'm the incoming chair of our national trade association. Uh, I'm on our national lobbying board, the National Association of Broadcasters, and I pr- proudly served as president of the International Broadcasters Idea Bank, which is a marvelous organization of radio broadcasters in Canada, the United States, New Zealand, and Australia, uh, for, and have served in that capacity for the last five years. And so and I just try to give a little back. And it's based upon this story. All of that is based upon this thing that happened one night. Uh, I was eight years old, and, and every story like this for John starts off that way. Uh, mm-hmm. John likes to tell you know anyone to listen to him, start in the middle, so I will. The little yeah. boy had a bag of popcorn. He was sitting in the front row of a high school gymnasium where a high school basketball game was about to commence. And uh, the little boy's dad was the superintendent of the district, and it was a little country, little small school and the superintendent did everything from making sure the concession stand was 
open, that the, the locker rooms are ready to go for the officials, et cetera, et cetera. So back in those days, but the little boy liked to always be with his dad. So it gave him an opportunity to attend an event for his dad, but his dad said, sit. And so I sat, I was the little boy, eight years old, sitting in the front row of this gymnasium. And I looked up, John, and up to the top row of the bleachers were these two guys. They were sitting behind a table. In front of the table was a cloth banner with the call letters of, radio, of, of a local radio station. They had their headphones on. And if lightning could have struck, boom, it would have hit the nine or eight-year-old little Mike. And I said at that moment in time, that's what I want to do. I knew I wanted to be in radio right there. I love, I've mentioned at the beginning, I love sports, uh, but I'm not a great athlete. You can look at me. I'm not, you know, I'm not that good looking. I'm not very athletic. You know, I, I have a good sense of humor. So that, you know, carries a lot, you know, me a long way. But um, the fact of the matter is, you know, I wasn't a player, but I, I was an observer and I loved it. And so I just, I had this thing. And at the same time, I was also a dyslexic. And so I'm eight years old. Uh, school is like super, super hard for me. I mean, really hard for me because when you can't, when words don't make sense and numbers don't make sense and you're trying to figure it out at age eight, and then all of a sudden you realize, look at these guys. I mean, they have something I could do. I could talk. My mother always said I had the gift for gab, but that meant in a loving, compassionate way, my mother was telling me, you have a big mouth. And so um, I knew where I was going. Um, but honest to goodness, at age eight, battling dyslexia, seeing something that was possible, I put the two together and I, I was never off focus. And from that point forward, I'd find ways to actually be a radio broadcaster. Um, I, would in, I, would or, I was always an organizer, so I'd organize these uh, games of football for the neighborhood kids. And then instead of playing, I would run up in my bedroom and I would open up the window and I was in the press box and I'm yelling out <laughs> my play and stuff. But that's how it started. That's, that's how so it started. great. And I never lost that passion for that. And, you know, to this day, I continue to battle with dys dyslexia. But I found ways to channel it. And actually, thanks to you and, and some very important people in my life, I do a lot more talking about it now than I ever did before. And I realized, you know what, it allows people to actually kind of lean into your story. And it allows people to help themselves if you're willing to share. And so I'm a lot more willing to share today than I ever have been uh, about so, that. Mike, let me let me chase that down a little further with you, because I think it's so important. And it is so it feels very counterintuitive in the moment. If you'll go back to, to, you know, right. I think that's true because it's not like you were trying to be super covert about it, but it's not like you were out telling everybody either. Right. And when we, when we were working together, I, 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 I remember saying to you, Mike, I think you need to share this. And, and I, you know, it's not like you fought me tooth and nail, but I, but I mean, I naturally there's a little bit of hesitance. See, right? Can can you take us through that moment and then tell us now, years later, the perspective on that moment for anybody that's got something that may be there, you know, kind of not sure. talking about that? Yeah. Well, and you're right. Um, you know, my mother, my wife, my business partner Beth have always been like, you, "This is a story that needs to be told." And I've always been uncomfortable about it for, 
you know, and I think anyone that, and first of all, everyone is broken. We, we all live, as I like to say, in the land of misfit toys. Yes. So, you know, everyone's got something. And if you can throw that out there and realize, oh, I can relate to him because he's not perfect. No. Yeah. Well, and you know, Mike, I think the other thing is everybody's, everybody's got that thing, but they all, but we all think that we're the only one with that thing. No, <laughs> actually, every time you go to a grocery store, there's like three other people with that exact same thing. And everybody's got something, you know, yeah. but because of just how things naturally played out, we don't want to talk about it. So nobody knows. <laughs> so I would say, John, in my particular case, and I've, re I've, re I've referred to it as this in the past, it's my secret weapon. I and, think you're right. Yeah. And I think people who have dealt with whatever it is that they've, you know, what, whatever they've, they've dealt with would also um, agree to that. And that is the things that they've overcome and the things that they've done. Uh, it's made you stronger and it gives you different perspectives. So I've always considered it to be my secret weapon, even if I wasn't talking about it. Right. But, right. You know, I, 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 you know, where all my friends were going off to college, I, I, I didn't, you know, I took some classes at the local community college, found it to be very frustrating. Um, you know, school itself was frustrating, except one subject, history. I love yeah. history. Yeah. I just, I just soak it in. And what I found was there were ways that I could access and feed the brain and feed my interests. I just had yeah. to do it differently. So yeah. audio is really important to me. Interesting. I'm in yeah. the audio business. Of course. <laughs> I, I listen to a lot of audio tapes. I listen to a lot of audio books. Um, uh, I'll take complicated subjects and I'll do a deep dive in audio and it, it sticks. Yeah. Um, and everyone has a certain way that they learn. But, you know, again, I have no college education. I never took a business class. Yeah. Um, you know, I never took, I took one pu public speaking class in high school, but we just kind of had more fun than anything else. So until yeah. I worked with you and so I've, I've, I've done it all based upon just kind of bootstrap common sense, willing to work harder than anyone that I knew, uh, and willing to sacrifice. And, and when I was young, I got married very young. I had children very young. So like I was all in, yeah. so, so now I don't have a college degree. Uh, you know, I'm dealing with this issue internally, if you will. And now I have a young daughter and a young wife and you can't fail. Failure yeah. is not, an, not option. an option. Yeah. Not an <laughs> As option. they say, yeah, it, it, it's not. And, and because of those early times, and it's interesting, what I learned later was I fast forwarded and where my friends were doing the college thing and having fun and they're getting started in their careers. Well, I've already been, I'm, you know, I'm already five or six years ahead of them. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, there were sacrifices that you have to make, but you know, if I had to do it all over again, I'd do it exactly the same way. You know, I'd do it exactly the same way. And now that you have started to share that story and the fact that you, you know, have dyslexia and that it was an issue for you and things like that and continues to be something you deal with, what has been the reaction as you've shared that? I mean, and I guess the the pointed question is, if you could go back and keep it covered up, would you? Or no. has, yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I, I would release it a lot earlier. Uh, I would have released it a lot earlier, I think. But then again, you know, things happen. I'm a huge How they're supposed to. Yeah. They, they are. Things happen for a reason. So this is the, this is the right time for yeah. all of this to occur, to answer your question. So I was giving a presentation at a local rotary club in central Illinois. Actually, I was giving a presentation about you. Um, 
I was observing that our programs were lacking uh, in competence. They were lacking in um, stickiness uh, in terms of how things were being presented. And so I went to the, the president and I said, hey, would you mind if I did a presentation? I'm giving presentations. You know, it was a talk about a talk. And yeah. all I wanted to do was just say, here's a couple of things that I've learned that might be helpful to you. Yeah. So you can relax and and just tell your story and express. So I was, I did, I gave that, I gave that talk in the middle of that talk. I said, Oh, by the way, one of the things that I have learned through all of, you know, through all of my journey here is that I should share my story. So I'm going to tell you. So I talked about dyslexia. I talked about not having any college education, you know, formal college education, uh, talked about some of the things that the challenges along the way, just to the group to say, that's my story. And it, it may re- you may relate more to me now than you ever have before because I probably just changed your perce- perspective perspective of me. Yeah. And I said, moving forward, I'd love to see other people do the same thing in the presentations that you give. This is all. This was a gift from you to them. You didn't even know. Right. Right. And on. after you. the present after this presentation, I had a gentleman come up to me and said, "said You know that I am an alcoholic. I've been sober for thirty years, and I've not told anybody." Wow. And listening to you talk about your dyslexia, you've inspired me to tell you that. Yeah, dude, you're making me cry, Mike. That's what it's about. That's, that's exactly that's, what that's it's a, about. That's a real life example of what yeah. happened because of actually your coaching. So you get the credit for that. And I, you know, I so appreciated that gentleman sharing that with me. And and it it just realized yeah. how much this stuff really, really does matter. It really does. And you know, and he, I am going to bet that he is going to be more able and willing to talk about his journey and what he's done and that 30 years of sobriety and what that's, and think of the difference that that's going to make for somebody that now hears him, you know, and, and all of this stuff is leadership. I mean, this Mike in my book is a, I mean, just one of the absolute top leadership opportunities in life because no one wants to go first with this stuff, but everybody wants to go second or third or fourth, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll stay up way too late having that conversation as a group and no one will forget it in their lifetime. And yet everybody's terrified to start that. You know, so this is not the buffet table, right? Where it's easy to be a leader at the buffet table. Not so easy here, but so worthwhile. So I I acknowledge you for your leadership in being the person at that gathering who was willing to go first, because clearly other people were just aching to go second and third. And that's and as as a speaker, that's how I judge whether my speeches have really had an impact and uh, whether I did a good job or not. People will come up and say, good job. Cause they just, that's what they say. Even if it wasn't, <laughs> you know, or they might be saying good job. And what they mean is you seem pretty cool. Even if that speech wasn't so great. I mean, like, you know, even, or maybe it was great, but that's not a very reliable indicator in my book. The reliable indicator is if they come up and they say, wow, that was really great. You know, I have a story like you, blah, 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 right? And then they launch into their stuff, sharing it with me. That's when I feel like it's been a successful effort, you know? You've used the the quote, and interesting, I used it at that Rotary meeting, actually. 
the Maya Angelou. Um, yes. Quote. Yeah. And people will not, they don't remember what you said, but they will remember how you made them feel. I mean, yeah. and it, that's a hundred percent true. Yeah. That is yeah, it is. True. How many times have we sat and we watched and we've listened and we've engaged and we've been to conferences and you get up and, and, you know, what happened there? You know, what happened there? But you do remember seeing John and how John made you feel and you will never forget that. And you, yeah. were, you know, he was great. He, I connected with him. I don't remember exactly what he said, but I know it made it, you know, it, it, it yeah. touched. Yeah. Um, I, thanks to you, I, I uh, spoke at a college graduation, a, go- a college commencement. And yes. uh, John helped me with that presentation. And the idea was um, I, I, I set a goal for the, for the talk. And that was, I wanted one person, I mean, this may have been like a huge goal, but it was, I wanted one person to remember one thing that I shared by the time they got to the parking lot. Yeah. Cause know your audience, right? Know your situation. Right. You're at a graduation. Yeah. You've got, in this case, there was 500 graduates. There was 2000 guests. That's 2,500 people. Uh, we know what happens at graduations. You really just want to leave. Uh, <laughs> yeah. end, it's hot. Yeah. Yeah. You really only care about one of the 500. Uh, you're proud of that person. You're there to share the experience with them, but you really don't care what the speaker says. And you know that if it goes long, you remember that it was long, but you won't remember much else. You'll take a cool picture in the parking lot and that's it. And you'll get yeah. a check. I mean, that's yep. right. That's the yep. reality of it. So knowing yep. that, I didn't want to be part of the problem. I wanted to be part of the solution. And so the first thing was I knew that the, the, in order to be remembered in the parking lot, it had to be super short. Bingo. It, it had to be short. And it had to be pointed in the right direction that someone could get something out of it. And, and so it was, and it was three minutes long. Um, I, I remember when I sat back down, the college president was surprised that I was done. <laughs> um, I love it. And, but my, again, in the story was very, and what I told was what we shared already on this call. I mean, it's about, yeah. you know, a, a kid who was challenged, who saw something that he wanted and he made it his life's work. And that if you can overcome, you can, don't let anything stand your way of doing something that you want, you want to accomplish and you want to do anything yeah. is possible to you. You know, yeah. this eight year old boy found a way to make that happen. You know, I've never worked a day in my life. I worked at a pizza place in Minneapolis once that was work. Everything <laughs> else has been love. And it, you know, not that every day is easy or fun because it's not, I mean, it, it is real work, but you know, I've, I've never gone and done something that I didn't love doing. So yeah. that's what my message was. I delivered it in three minutes. I sat down and it's interesting. That's been now a number of years ago. And I will still get people who say, I really enjoyed your talk at the graduation. Yeah. And yep. so John, so good. three minutes, I'll, maybe, you know, super important three minutes of my life to be sure. Yeah. It's fabulous. I mean, and I think that it's, you know, I would highlight the generosity that it is of you to really get the reality of that situation, because, you know, I think a lot of times as speakers, it's very tempting. I know that I have gone in back in the day thinking I was the big deal. I'm not the big deal. You know, it's all about the situation, the audience. And one of the things that I really think is clear 
underneath what you said is that you understand, Mike, it's not the speaking that has the power. It's the listening. <laughs> I've done my talks when no one's really paying attention. They don't have the same impact. <laughs> it's all about is the, you know, that listening over there in the audience and honoring that listening. And so I love that you were generous enough to give a three minute speech. That's real generosity. The 30 minute speech is not nearly as generous as the three minute speech, which is somewhat counterintuitive at first, but I think now it's obvious what we mean by that, right? A year ago, I was honored with induction into my local high school uh, hall of fame. Right on. Congratulations. Thank you. I, I say that to bring this story up, but I was the 56th inductee into the, into my lo local high school hall of fame. Now, what, I mean, I, again, this is the kid that graduated at the bottom of his class. Yes. This is the kid who literally, if it wasn't for my learning disabilities teacher, I would not have graduated because she cheated for me. Now she's gone. Oh, uh -huh. she, so you can tell us now. Yeah. Uh, I, I love her. And she knows, you know, I told her how much I appreciated her and she knew it yeah. all the impact she's had on me. So yeah. her name is Josephine Howerton. She continues to impact my life. Yeah. Um, but if it wasn't for, you know, people rallying around, I was never actually never going to get graduate from that place. That's yeah. how, you know, how hard some of that was. So anyway, yes. um, later they said, Hey, you need to, we're going to put you on the wall. Well, next to the, the other people that are on the wall include Dick Van Dyke. Which is so cool. I was going to, yeah, I was, uh, yeah. Gene, Gene Hackman, awesome. Bobby Short, Donald O'Connor, for those of you that yeah. know, you know, entertainment back in the 40s and 50s and 30s, actually, from that perspective. Uh, an astronaut buddy of mine who flew four shuttle missions, who's on the wall. Uh, the guy who invented the Discover card, uh, the former CEO of Sears, is a, a guy that grew up in this town, went to that school, and he's the guy that rolled out the Discover card. Back yeah. when Sears was a thing, uh, yeah. you know, on and on. The the guy who formed a rock band called um, the Eagles, who may be a familiar, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, guy by the name of Irving Azoff started a little company called Ticketmaster, and then rolled it into a little company you may be aware of called Live Nation. Yeah. Uh, he's also on the wall. So the fact yeah. that you know these people are you know, and there I hang you know with some pretty cool company, and I pre yeah. I'm honored by the the fact that man, I was lucky to get out of there alive. So. Yeah. Um, that night when I gave my talk, uh, I with the idea understanding what was going to happen, I tried to keep it short, but I told a couple of really pointed stories of things that happened in the hallways yeah, uh, and with educators who made a difference. And, and I looked at the students because there was a lot of students there that day. And I said to the students, see, go outside and look around at all these people. Look at what's accomplished. They came from a little place. Yeah. They overcame a lot. You could do anything. Yeah, absolutely anything. And I think you can do more from a little place than you can from a big place. So, um, again, sharing the same kinds of stories that, you know, from that graduation night or, you know, hanging out in the hallway now. Um, yeah. It's it's cool. And I appreciate yeah. you helping me share a story. You're so you're just very, very welcome, Mike. It's, it, it is a pleasure. And one of the things that I will say and I think it's worth saying here in the context of leadership and sharing stories and things is that it strikes me thinking back on the mic that I met originally and the mic that you've become over the years that I've known you, that this 
your willingness to share the downsides and the tough parts has leavened you, in my opinion, as a person. Uh, that because I love them, you know, March fourth and be positive. And by the way, I'm be positive too. I think we, I think we found that commonality a while ago. But um, so, and there is a there is now I think a level of depth and and uh, and like a leavenedness to your ability as a leader to say those positive things and also be sharing the difficulty that just makes it all, I think, even more impactful. So well, I acknowledge you for that. Well, thank you. And I, and I thank you again for the inspiration and those people that I've identified in, in today's podcast, you know, that have certainly impacted that. Uh, you know, my kids, they, you know, they, I've got uh, four children. We're the Brady Bunch. Uh, I've got two yeah. daughters, two stepsons who are just awesome. And a little granddaughter who is the, you know, the, the greatest thing in the world. And yeah. you know, we've shared these stories as we move forward and, you know, and, and anything is possible. And I have three very special nieces and there's all, they're always hearing these uncle Mike stories, but it's yeah. not about, Hey, uncle Mike can, you know, he did this, this, and this. It's like, no, this was the barrier that uncle Mike dealt with. And so you can, can jump over that with ease. Um, yeah. And so that's, Again, that's I don't that's so I don't like people that dwell on all the negative and woe is me and I, I you know and I of course never see that because uh, that's not who I am. But um, again, we if we can inspire and lead and give back to things that really matter to us and people that matter to us, then I think we're doing our job. Yeah, yeah, great. Well, I think you're doing your job, Mike, and and I'm I I really appreciate you taking the time to join me today and thanks for sharing your stories. You know, one of the things that I've been realizing is that I just need to say when I talk about storytelling and stories, what that really is is you sharing your experience. It's not once upon a time and everyone lived happily ever after and fluffy, what are you talking about storytelling? No, it's just being willing to take the time and make the effort to share your experiences really well. Right. So yeah. thank you for sharing your experiences in the difference that us being able to see through your eyes for a few minutes will make for us. Can so I share you. with your audience what happens when they work with you? So our very first coaching experience, um, John said, record something you, you, you record something that you're doing and then don't watch it for about three weeks and then we'll watch it together. I said, okay. And he said, oh, by the way, my first and really big only rule is you must be coachable. So if you're going to work with me, you must be coachable. And I said, I'm coachable. I'm coachable. So uh, I did a presentation at a school for about um, 100 kids and their parents. And uh, I sent it to John. And then we waited three weeks. And as someone in the broadcasting business, we call those air check sessions. So uh -huh. you never listen to a show immediately after the show because you'll remember every single thing you said. So you want yeah. to give yourself some time. I get it. And then yeah. you can listen to it from a better place. So we started watching this together. John's in California. I'm in Illinois. And we're watching this speech together. And then John goes, I got to tell you, you really blew it, man. You sucked. You could have been. <laughs> I, I never said you sucked. Yes, you did. You, you did. You, <laughs> said you, yeah, you blew it. You had an opportunity here to make a difference. And here's where you here's where you missed it. And yeah. I never forgot that. Now, my, I shared that with my kids. And they're in their 30s and late 20s. They yeah. laugh. They love that. Um, but you were so right. And I will tell you, I've never made that same mistake. Well, that's fabulous. I mean that, so I remember now it was the drill instructor for your no, greatness. 
who was. said you blew it, right? Because right. we can't step over that. Tell me what you did again that was blowing it. Hey, thanks for having me today. I really yep. appreciate being here. It's, you know, it's an honor to be here before you today. Again, I just want to thank you that you've given me the time today to talk with you. You're super welcome. And I appreciate you know, that everything. Was my opening. That was my opening. Oh, okay. All right. I was like, wait, what? Mike's but leaving? Yes, you're welcome. <laughs> um, but that was my opening. Yeah, said, yeah oh, right. Gosh, don't do that. Oh. Yeah. Because that's how everybody starts, right? I'm, and now everybody in the audience has heard that a freaking million times and they just fell asleep. Because they think- Start with something, start it in the middle, and then all of a sudden everyone is leaning in. Yeah. That's what you, that's what, I'm sorry. I gave you an example of what you did to me, so. Yeah, that's so funny. Yeah, and I fell for it. For me. Well, and that's, and that you never have started that way again, have you? Oh, no. You start in a much better, more engaging fashion, and your audiences always lean in now when you start versus I've going. I got with that Marine Corps Smokey the Bear hat leaning in in my mind. So it's like, no, <laughs> right on. <laughs> I love it, Mike. Well, listen, I, I really appreciate you coming. I hope you'll come back again sometime soon and have a great, great day. And thanks for joining us. John, thank you. I appreciate you. I, I, thank you. Thank you for joining the Speak Like a Leader podcast. Go be awesome.